Hello and welcome to Leadership Behaviours Unpacked. Today I'm joined by the incredible Jess Helens. Jess is a force to be reckoned with and a really inspiring person. I'm really delighted that she's been able to take some time out of her busy agenda to chat with me today. Jess can be found wearing many, many hats in her work and life. She is the founder and CEO of JDH Communications. She's the founder of Wild Coworking. And she's also recently been invited to be a UN Women UK delegate for the Commission on the Status of Women. Jess's story demonstrates a massive level of energy, vitality, humility, generosity and true resilience. After working in creative communications for almost a decade, she moved back to Somerset having hit rock bottom. Working in the music industry had left her with nothing to give and she needed to start again. I'm really pleased that you'll get a chance to hear Jess tell her story in her own words and hear her talk about a shift in the way that she works and lives her life that really shows the resilience that she has developed. So thank you, Jess, for joining me today. So Jess, I am so excited that you agreed to join me today. And I was thinking about when I first met you, and I don't know whether you remember, but I remember meeting you at a networking event in Deepest Somerset. Yeah. And I was thinking about why I noticed you and I did because you stood out for me immediately and I think it was you had this energy and vibrancy and passion about you that just made you stand out in the room I was like I like her and I want to get to know her and and the more I've kind of like um got to know about what you do um and your journey it's really interesting and your journey kind of through art and theatre PR, music marketing, and the list goes on. Mm. How did you come to be setting up a business in Froome? Uh, So I won't go too far back, but uh, I love also that I stood out like a sore thumb. I felt no, not like a sore thumb, like a like a shining light. It was you. You really stood out in a really really positive way. I remember that meeting actually. It's at Herds Hill, and it's Yvonne's Astara um, Consulting networking and I remember being there and being like because <laughs> I, I I had my big platform shoes on and I was in what I normally wear like colorful yeah. clothes and it's, it happens quite often that I go somewhere and I'm like hi everyone and everyone's like oh guys eight o'clock in the morning I'm just eating my bacon back please leave me alone um and I really felt like that taste it's funny you picked up on that it was my first time there as well actually and I did I was like oh she's cool so loud it's fine people remember me so it works but um yeah so setting up wild in Froome so I was working as a freelancer when I first moved to Froome in 2017 I was living on my own and working out of my spare room uh, running JDH communications I had a couple of friends in Froome and I loved it. I loved Froome. It was great to be there. And um, it was nice to live in Somerset again because I'm from Somerset. And it generally was a, a lovely place and I was having a great time. But I had this overwhelming feeling of loneliness. Um, not just loneliness, but I, th- I felt like I really needed a team around me to kind of fire me up on those days when... I didn't want to do anything. Mm. And I, because I was relatively new to the business world and being a freelancer and building and growing a business, which was the my first business, um, I was exposed to lots of, because I only became a free, uh, self-employed person in 2017. So it was, you know, it was quite early days. And yeah. I remember going to networking events like the one you yeah, mentioned. Yeah. Um, and thinking, oh, I'm not sure if any really anyone really like gets me because quite a lot of that one wasn't too bad, but quite a lot of networking events are either uh, straight white men who are either working for a large organization or have worked for themselves for a long time 
they're a bit older, haven't really come up against any challenges or blockages in their business life. They've always got um, or managed to get investment or bank loans or people immediately take them seriously. And so that's great for them, but it's not so great for people that don't fit into that category. And I really felt it. And especially going to these events with my friends who are also women and women women of color and just seeing how different that at the time this the disparity between these business people in inverted commas and me that was doing it in the way that she wanted to do but as soon as I started talking to someone that was in the kind of way that people do business mindset I was like this strange thing that they hadn't encountered before because I was like I'm just I am doing it how I want to do it. And I've got this idea to start this hot desking co-working space for women in business because did you see this report, uh, which is the Alison Rose report? And I'd go into the Alison Rose report to these people mm. in networking places and they'd be like, and it's, and it's, yeah. I confront, I felt like I was confronting a lot of issues that people generally don't want to confront. Um, and I felt like it was my responsibility, but I also felt like, I wanted a gang around me that felt yeah. that that kind of got what I was saying and felt the challenges and the blockages that I had felt. The amount of times that I have been told that I can't have funding, especially locally, uh, because of us, like for some certain para- parameters, and then seeing my competitors who are owned by men having that have already got money, get, they get the, they have got, especially in the last year, they've got the funding. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, you've just proven my point here. So, and now I'm like being, so. It- and I recognise what you said. It's, I've never heard you describe the, um, the feelings at those networking events before. And actually, you know, there's me sat there thinking, wow, get her. And actually feeling what you were describing. So, yeah. you know, uh, the the networking events, they film, they often have, they still usually do fill me with a kind of dread, that bit where all you're expected to do is talk for 60 seconds about yourself and your business. So why is your heart racing out of your chest and you feel sick? It's like, what is this about? No, it's, it's not. And I, the more I went to, I was like, guys, we don't have to do it like this. We don't have to be scared yeah. every time we go to a networking event. And it's generally like for e- extroverts or people that are cu- that are happy to stand in front of a crowd. And I think that's fine. I think that's, you know, it's a, re- a great way of getting certain types of investment. But I felt like there needed to be a real shift. If we were really going to change the business landscape, I needed to be part of that shift that empowered women that maybe thought that they didn't have a place in the business landscape because it looked totally different to them. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to create the environment where you can come along and push yourself out of your comfort zone if you want, or you can just hang around with some people that totally get what it's like to be a woman yeah. in business and you can use it how you want. And the what I did was uh, decide to trial a hot desking space. I went to the council and said, this is what I want to do. They had a space in the town hall that I could rent. And I had it in my head that I would do it for three months maximum to just give it a trial and see whether there was any market for it. And a year later, after we opened, I was having a party for our year birthday. I couldn't believe we'd even got there. But then COVID came three days after our first year birthday. And I I couldn't believe it. So I'd created this space that was working and it was it felt safe and it felt inclusive and it was what I had ever always dreamed of creating but it it was so, still so young it was you know a tiny little seedling yeah and we had a long way to go but I really felt like you know okay let's let's go to the next stage now so yeah it 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 was a hot desking space for a year and now we are where we are post covid we're a virtual network with monthly in person pop ups for people that do want to connect with people in per- like one to one um and we've survived a global pandemic which still to this day i'm like mm, someone going to turn around and be like no you haven't <laughs> <laughs> it's um you owe us a million pounds because you forgot about this 
and you're bankrupt. But that's not the case. It's all going really well. So yeah, that's that's a kind of really brief overview. And I, I'm really aware, actually, and I just want to touch on this, that it's, I, I, I find because of the way that Lots of people do this, but because of the way that I speak about business and I I'm, I talk obviously passionately about Wild and yeah. about our successes, I don't want anyone to think that it's not been hard. Yeah, it has it it, it has it has almost broken me many many times. I'm a one woman band with now a growing team, but it takes a long time. I spent a, at least a year before I opened the trial of the hot desking space developing it. I put money into yeah. research. I did as many courses as I could do to learn how to build a community. I joined the NatWest Accelerator, which is about, um, it was called Entrepreneurial Spark then, mm. which was about empowering entrepreneurs. I put myself in places that I didn't feel comfortable to understand what needed to be changed. It was, uh, you know, there were times where I was just eating beans on toast every night for weeks because that's all I could afford. It isn't easy, but I no. knew I needed to change things. And there was, you know. Because you were doing this also alongside, which people listening who don't know anything about you, you know, when you, as you say, you know, this is, this is your, not your first business. So you were freelance, but you actually then built your, your communications consultancy alongside and actually have a team working for you with that so you weren't just running wild no and I'm still not and that takes how do you balance the two and can you draw from one to feed the other no I can't well I suppose I can because I'm a PR marketing person and so I really think that Part of wild success has been because I haven't needed to uh, fund a marketing person. And marketing and branding and content is one of your biggest costs as a startup, yeah, right? Yeah. So so me being able to do that has um, really changed everything for me because I've seen other fellow business owners trying to do it themselves. And I've I've got, before I was, I went self-employed, I had 12 years experience in PR marketing in arts and culture Mm. and other industries. So you're like, that's a long time. And even though the world of PR marketing has changed a lot since I started and it changes every day, I try and keep ahead of the trends and I Mm. live them. So I think, I think that's how it feeds into wild as in it kind of complements it because that's my brain but they are very different companies and I I have a client facing uh situation with JDH and that has been challenging as well that's my kind of at the moment my bread and butter wild isn't at that point yet we're uh, we're we're making money but not enough for me to go full-time or you know yeah so it is really important. And I recently, actually, we were just talking about this before the podcast. I've only just, I started that in 2017. And I've only just got to the point where I'm like, okay, let's try and separate my emotion a little bit from, and, and I, I don't, I don't mean that I'm like switched off to any emotion when it comes to that business. I just mean, I've got to a point where I'm self-assured enough now to be able to be like, well, I'm good at my job. And if yeah. we don't fit as a client, um, service providers relationship that's fine let I'll go yeah. on and move on to find someone yeah. else and I've increased my prices which is what I co- encourage wild members to do every single day of the week yeah <laughs> um yeah. but uh yeah so so and, and, and actually holding that mirror up to yourself is is quite yeah I, I often feel like that we think I think like you know the the things that I'll push my clients to do and then think oh my god Jane look in the mirror for a few minutes and actually that applies to you too yeah I find that's one of the hardest things about running a business is actually practicing what you preach. Yeah. With with yeah. JDH, we we build websites and we run social media, but my JDH website and social media is non-existent because, you know, I'm too busy doing that for other people. And with Wild, yeah. I encourage people to look after themselves and do business the way they want to do and go for their goals and make it... I, I spend um, time with members one-to-one 
breaking down what it is they've got in their head that there's their fantasy is and I'm like you know this is attainable like you can get there because I'm going to break it down into steps and then I'm sat there like oh what do I do with my life and I'm like oh god I need one of me to like sit down with me but that is that is a challenge in business yeah and and it's something I want to come back to in a little while actually because I know we we touched on the whole subject of resilience when we spoke last week and I I think you're st- we're starting to kind of go down that track and I definitely want to talk about that. And But going back to Wild just for a second, it's interesting actually in terms of kind of what Wild gives to the women who actually join. And, and you know, we talk generically about that kind of space and actually having somewhere you can be yourself. And one of the questions that's often, I've often heard in my kind of journey through corporate life and actually, you know, I'm, a lot older than you, sadly. But I've, you know, I think that whole fighting to be a woman who's not just a woman who's replicating what a man did and actually seeing that and trying to kind of negotiate that, you know, over the sort of 30 years that I work, it's it's really hard. And I think, you know, quite often that sort of, um, What's the that's the word I'm looking for? There's almost a kind of like criticism that's lobbed in going, oh, you know, you want to set up a space for women. What about a space for men? And you kind of go, okay, what what do you say to those people that might kind of say, why is, why can't I, you know, I'm a bloke. Why can't I join Wild? I, I had that quite a lot at the start, actually. Mm, That's one of my biggest challenges, which is ironic because what I wanted, yeah. the point of Wild is yeah. to stop these challenges. And I'm like, I got to a point where I was like, thank you for proving my point and just walking away. And what, but <laughs> I used to get really angry about it because I was brand new into kind of understanding this very strange, misogynistic, um sexist world that we live in i'm not i wasn't brand new to it i've lived my entire life as a woman (laughs) we we just put up with a lot of stuff that we don't we shouldn't be putting up with by the way but what i've done is kind of at the start i would say it's absolutely not sexist to empower women doesn't mean to disempower men and i think as soon as i say that they're like well they've got nowhere to go with that because it's not i i think that view that it is sexist is actually like, well, that's a reflection of how you, like that's because that's how you feel about separation of gender. And it is about empowering women. And, um, you know, maybe one day in the future, we will have men involved in wild as well. But um, I mean, when I say women, I mean, anybody that identifies as a woman or non-binary, I just think that, um, a lot of men have already had a lot of advantages and we don't need to include them in this this yeah. movement. Um, and that's okay. I love men. I work with men all the time. It, I don't have a problem with men. No. Or it's boring that I have to keep saying that, honestly. Yeah. Um, so I don't often say that um, to men that ask me. Um, yeah. And I have something that I have said a few times about gender equality. So I think that we are worthy of the same privileges that we've not um, had before. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that the goal is to be equal to the oppressor, right? So we need to carve our own paths. It is not about being equal to those men. It's about doing what we want to do in the way we want to do it without any oppression. Yeah. And that doesn't, yeah. I don't want to be like you, like as I'm yeah. talking to the men, don't worry, I'm not coming for your job. <laughs> You're safe because yeah. I'm doing it in the way that I want to. And there's a seat for everybody at the table. And that's a table that they choose. You know, feminism is about choice. It's about oh. allowing a woman to choose what she wants to do with her own life, yeah. her appearance, her, her, um, reproductive systems, anything she wants, systems, like we've got multiple, Um, (laughs) but it is about- There are many ways. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's what WILD stands for, is empowering women to carve their own path in um, industries that they want to work in. That's all it is. Um, And it's, I'm not out there fighting men. I will fight them if they want to fight. (laughs) (laughs) 
But it's becoming less and less, I think, that especially the past year, couple of years, when um, I think a lot of people, especially white people, have started to do a lot of self-reflection during the Black Lives Matter, and I'm not comparing the two, uh, I'm just talking about how white men are doing a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. Um, that the past year with Black Lives Matter, I think that white privilege, we've been talking a lot about that. And I think it's really important to keep ourselves accountable for that. And so I think that is one of the layers of kind of breaking down these um, oppressors. <laughs> it's basically the patriarchy as well. Fighting the patriarchy benefits men just as much as it does with women. Absolutely. If yeah. men are allowed to be emotional and allowed Absolutely. to express how they feel, everybody's happier, right? But yeah. All it yeah. does is make them think that they can't be who they want to be. That's not yeah. Good. And I think it's 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 so interesting what you say, and I think you know, and I recognise so much of it, and I think with. One of the first things, conversations I have with virtually every client and, and those listening will kind of be going, yeah, I remember this. But actually, one of the first conversations I always have is about this is about being the best version of you. This is about making the choices that work for you. So choose what you're going to do. Choose what you're not going to do. But actually, this is about you. Be the best, whether that's about leadership or parenting or whatever in your life you do you and you actually understand what that is what's going to make you fly and and you work on that so and i think whether you know i look back in my past and think about you know being told in performance reviews in big corporations i think one of my favorite quotes and i still remember it exactly somebody'd written on my development plan my development plan he'd written it but he said you know it's now time for jane to add an air of prof- professionalism to her over enthusiastic nature <laughs> and it's like uh, <laughs> where do you go there's a whole podcast on that probably but i think you know and i and i've really struggled i was like but i'm not like i, I don't want to follow that path but it's felt a long time till i can kind of like have conversations like these and be brave enough to think actually I'll, i can be myself Quite a lot of the time I've had, I mean, I think every woman listening to this podcast is going to agree with the the point you just made about having that on your um, review. Every woman has had some kind of... Yeah. Um, the irony Tone of him, it down, love. The irony of him <laughs> saying that and that actually being very unprofessional. Also, the amount of times I've been told, you know, you need to do this better, you need to do that by, by a man in you know my previous roles that has sexually harassed me and I'm like hang on a minute that's not you've got to sort that out for yourself I the fact that you know maybe I need to um make sure people come in on time is very small scale (laughs) compared to what you're doing and getting away with every day and I think um the job that I had before I went self-employed was in music and it it really gave me an insight into the music industry, music ed- education, and it was it it broke me. That's when I hit my rock bottom, and that's when it the fire started burning for Wild because I was like, things have got to change. I've got to um, find a way that I can create environments for women to feel safe at work, essentially, and to yeah. have the confidence to break away from organisations like that yeah. and do their own thing because that is safety, that is empowerment. That is taking um, autonomy over your own life. But it's also touching on what you said. It's living your authentic life. So living your, 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 being completely authentic. And that means letting your bad days happen as well as your good. Absolutely. That you have to accept that some days are going to be really and some days are going to be really great. And that's just how it goes. I think there's a lot of pressure, especially within um, this, like, I hate this term, girl boss. We're just bosses, CEOs, business people. Like, I'm not a girl boss. I am the (laughs) boss. I don't, you don't need to try and make me smaller. I'll take up as much room as I like. Thank you. Um, But there's a lot in that industry. There's a lot of pressure to like, 
it's, it's like the hustle culture, which we absolutely do not promote at Wild. If you have a day where you can't function, don't push yourself through it. Do, move on to something else. Yeah. Do something that will unlock some creativity or just rest for half an hour. Um, it's I've realised that not looking after yourself means your business isn't being looked after, so it's not sustainable at all. Yeah. Um, and that means lots of different things to different people. So today, my self-care was doing my errands um, this afternoon, like sending packages back to the post office and things like that that is like I always used to be like oh I can't leave the house because I must be chained to my laptop and that is that's not yeah. the case either things are yeah. changing we've got to take take up the space and and it, it kind of leads quite nicely I think that into you know you you mentioned kind of hitting rock bottom and we've talked before we've I think um shared some of those kind of experiences I've kind of been in th- those kind of dark places too and I think you know we we talked last week about you know what does resilience actually mean and resilience is a wonderful world that's word that's banded around isn't it it's you know I think you know when people talk about you know as a leadership trait as a personal development thing you need to become more resilient which often can be a blanket term for don't show any emotion for god's sake don't cry at work ever regardless of what's happened to you, you know, don't, but, but actually, you know, it's, and I think lots of people are very afraid of the, that kind of emotional side, which then means we bat down all the good stuff as well as some of the scary stuff. And actually, you know, we talked last week about in reality, resilience for most people is a kind of cycle of coping, getting overwhelmed and resilience just means you cope for a bit longer and you come back from being overwhelmed a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just kind of, you know, what, what, does it, what does it mean to you when you hear that kind of, what's the real? I think it's changed over probably the last year because before COVID, I was a lonely entrepreneur that would spend a lot of time on her own working, burning herself out because it was a massive distraction. But I saw that as resilience Mm. because I was able to keep going despite how shit I felt. Exactly what you just said just now, isn't it? That bit about you work, you push through that hard day. Yeah. And that's, that's actually really, really unhealthy. And it's a toxic work culture that we've learned over the years that is unnecessary, actually. Um, because I wasn't that productive. Mm. I was just working. I was always on. I never shut the door to work. I remember going for a swim on a Friday night and thinking, oh God, everyone else is off with their families or having a lovely time with their friends. And I'm here on the edge of tears because I'm, I'm swimming on my own on a Friday night, but it's, to a lot of people that would like feel like luxury because you know they've got f- families hanging off them all here at oh I'd love a bit of time away but that's all I had was time on my own mm. and and it was not good so resilience now to me means having the confidence to take a step back and slow down and despite all the things that are going on I will still take that time for myself and then come back stronger. That to me is resilience and being vulnerable. I think vulnerability is something that I talk about a lot and I've spoken a lot about it on various other podcasts and I talk to lots of people about it because I think that people, especially men actually, and this is the patriarchy at work, um, think that vulnerability is a bad thing, but actually that's what gives us human connection. And I've really learned that from running a community. The most powerful times that we've had at Wild, as in the moments that have given me tingles, are the ones where someone might put into the WhatsApp group late on a Friday night, oh my God, I'm having the worst time. And do you know what happens? An army of women surround Absolutely. Like bees around a queen bee. And they are there no matter what's going on, they are letting that person know they're not alone. They are um, heard. They're not trying to solve the problem, but are there if they need to help solve a problem. Yeah. And that is resilient. That's collective resilience. And there is, I can see why men don't want that to happen because we are a force. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
it's 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 actually magical and for me i've learned so much about how actually vulnerability is necessary for resilience you have to feel the dark days in order to get the absolute days um and i you know i've been through a lot of therapy as well over over the years and only recently i'd stopped quite intense therapy and that again i can't recommend that enough especially to anybody actually but business owners who are wanting to be the best for their future and their business really understand yourself first that's resilience absolutely like confronting all those demons inside of yourself and going okay well despite all that look at what i've done this is amazing and we'll keep going whatever that looks like so it's (laughs) That's a long way of saying resilience means lots of different things to me now. Yeah, and I think the vulnerability piece is so true, isn't it? Because when when you can let go of the... The opposite of vulnerability for me is about a whole acting... You know, you can appear, and I, and it's so funny, really, because I think when I've ex- when I've kind of, I was about to say exposed, which makes it sound like it's a really massive, hideous secret, but when I've kind of um, been brave enough, which is what it really felt like, to tell people about some of my past and some of the kind of depression and anxiety that I've suffered, people kind of go, "What you?" Yeah. So the people who don't know me kind of really well, but even actually some of the people who know me really well or thought they knew me really well. Because I have not shared that. Now, actually, that means you've got this very brittle shell around you, which which, which shatters. So actually, it doesn't let the people that you've described, it doesn't let the army come in and support you because you have an armour around you, you don't want it. And actually, I think if you can let that go and go, I'm going to be me and I'm going to be seen, then actually, the energy that is required to keep that face and that kind of arm around you is massive. And I think like when we go back, we've talked about uh, kind of men and what it's, you know, I think some of the biggest breakthroughs and I think some of the, my dearest male friends are willing to be seen for who they are. And some of the most difficult men that I have worked with, you have no idea what's going on. And there's a whole kind of smoke and mirrors and pretending and there's a slight chink in the armor and the next day it's there like massive because actually and then you feel like oh right okay we don't go there anymore it's and I think you're right and I think I mean I am a massive Brené Brown fan I think and her yeah (laughs) I think her work around vulnerability and how important it is in business um I haven't actually I know who Brené Brown is but I have never watched or listened to anything that she's done or read anything I think you'd love it I think yeah I I think that's where that's I think the re the reason there are toxic workplaces is because vulnerability has been seen as a weakness before and that's because of patriarchy and that's because most of the leaders in business are men who are under the um, strong ties of the patriarchy. So now what we're seeing is a bit of a shift and it's an awkward, uncomfortable shift for some yeah. people um, because we're going, hang on a minute, I don't need to do it like that because I want to have a family. I'm really good at what I do. Let's have a bit of flexibility and also a bit of vulnerability for everybody, not just the women. Um, but I think that uh, there's a lot of empty promises out there when I'm, I'm talking now like larger corporations that they've been told mental health is really important, but actually no one understands what that actually means because that's different yeah. for every single There's person. There's a policy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a diversity inclusion policy. Well, it doesn't do anything. What are your actions? And that's, I think, whenever I have um, meetings or or with larger organisations or um, I'm at networking events and they say, oh, we're doing this and we're doing that. And I'm like, but... Okay, so you, you've put that mission statement out there, but what what are your actions that you're following up What are you up actually with? doing, yeah. And I've I've been to, so I'm a UN delegate as well. I wanted to ask you about that, actually, because that's quite a big honour, isn't it? So you, you were invited, was it last year or this year? Yeah, well, actually, I was invited when it was bizarre that um, the timing of it, actually, because the day before or the day I did like a preview pop-up for Wild in 2018 was it yeah 2019 2019 I don't know I lost a whole year I think somewhere <laughs> I lost. 2019 I was invited to a meeting about the ethnicity pay gap and I was I at the 
at the UN meeting in London. And there we, I was surrounded by, I talk about imposter syndrome at this point, I was like, why the hell am I here? <laughs> I feel like that. But at that point I was like, oh God, I'm sat next Uh-oh. to like the head of, HR at NatWest globally and it's me for just got the train up with her mum from Somerset like how did this happen is someone gonna go sorry sorry actually no no you're meant to be in the room down there you're actually (laughs) serving the tea all right yeah no it makes sense um (laughs) the uh um meeting was about ethnicity pay gap and I remember then sat on a table with um these uh, representatives from NatWest, large corporations, talking about the ethnicity pay gap. But all of these people, including me, were white, majority of them. And I was like, this is, we're not, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> are we yeah. listening to what the right people? What license us to, to talk about this? Yeah, like what, what qualifies us to have this opinion? I think we've not listened enough yet. But also a lot of the time they had policies in place and they were saying, well, we put out adverts and no people of color apply and I'm like it's not that sit- hang on a minute like I do really think it's that straightforward like that's the mm. fact that you even think that is part of the issue um so uh yeah that was my first UN meeting but I am obsessed with understanding what the action is which is why I think the UN I I I was a delegate at the CSW 65 this year and um along with lots of other women because it was virtual we were able to get involved which is great and I really found felt like I'd found my people when I was amongst all these women all talking about the same thing not the same thing but we were all challenging each other keeping each other accountable talking about things that were happening on a global level that we were able to have an opinion on but not just an opinion we were able to influence other um, people from across the world on like huge topics and so it was that 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 happened wait yeah this year and that was that was a big moment for me and i think that is something that will hopefully i mean i'll be a delegate at the potentially at another event this year but we'll we'll see so that that i think has cemented my beliefs because what happens and it really showed me what happens with wild when you're surrounded by people that are qualified to talk about what you're talking about as in for example at wild it's being um a person of business um in business you suddenly feel like oh oh you are talking the same talk as me and that means i'm not mental for thinking the things that i'm thinking (laughs) that means it's actually a real thing the fact that i'm worrying about paying my rent next year i'm not the only one thinking next month i'm not the only one thinking that i'm thinking you know oh geez am i meant to take a bank loan out um, or am i meant to get investment well, you've got like countless other women around you that are also thinking the same thing. You can be vulnerable within. You no longer have to pretend that you've got it, everything together all the time. Yeah. I think kind of it, what a couple of things you said about the UN role that are really interesting. And I think, you know, you, you talked about let's listen to the people who are experiencing the experience. And I think, you know, my, my daughter who's 22, will often hold me massively to account where I'll just kind of say things and she'll be like, really? Because her view of the world is very different to mine and the world is very different than my world was at 22. And and in some ways it's much better and in other ways it hasn't changed. But it's really interesting when you know, think that the things that I've tried to teach her as she's grown up that then get held up to me when she's like, okay, I thought we didn't talk like that or I thought we didn't believe that. And, you know, it's like, actually, it really, but I think you you kind of say, you know, not only in those groups are you listening to those people, but it's about behaviour and it's about action. And I think one of the things that you've done that I think is incredibly impressive with Wild is you've actually taken action. You know, you've put your... You've, and, and you, you, you know, you've said yourself, you came from a place where you felt at your lowest and broken. And lots of people in those places will just kind of throw stones out, you know, and you've, you've grabbed it and you've gone, right, okay, I'm going to make this different. And I think that's huge. And I think that recognition, you know, of being a UN delegate is huge. Thank you. Um, I think 
the the thing about rock bottom is that you're already at the bottom. So whatever you're going to do, whatever choice you make is better than being at rock bottom. So you just get another view of life. You've already fallen. And there's a video of me that I haven't shared with many people, but I had to document how I, so I moved home to my mum's house a few months before I turned 30. I was really poorly, physically, mentally, completely broken. It was a really, that, that, it really was my rock bottom. And I, I've filmed myself talking to myself. So I was like, this has to be one of my moments in my life that I need. I won't forget anyway, but I need to document it. And in this video, I say, all I've done is work my ass off. And all I've done is do what I think is the best thing for my life. I've not got in the with the wrong crowd. I've got great friends, got great family. I am relatively privileged. Very, really. I'm not talking about money, but in my life, generally, I've not really, apart from the usual stuff we get faced with as women, but I've dealt with that. I've done everything that society says I should have done and I still hit rock bottom. So I was like, so really, what's my choice here? You don't have a choice. You just do what you think again, you get back up. And, you know, it took me a few months to recover. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I went home to my mum's, had a cry and got on with it. It, it, it took a long time. Yeah, it's my, a long process. My poor mum watching me thinking, shh, this is not good. She's going to turn. And it's not about the age, but it's it's my expectation of what I thought my life was going to be at that point. And she obviously as a mum wanted the best for me and just seeing this like crumpled mess arrive at her house and all my stuff in her garage and just thinking what has happened. And she she says like, you know, it was a choice between either you coming home or me coming to Brighton and nursing you back to health. We were at that point. And, and it is, I think I'm grateful for that moment because it really showed yeah. me how strong I was really and how you can make your own choices Mm. um which are so so important compared to how society makes you think you should live your life because that's what happened to me I'm not saying I didn't enjoy my career I'm not saying I didn't have a great time um in the majority of it and I met some amazing people but I did what I thought I was meant to do and I created like I was I remember in interviews being like I have saying to them about my CV how I've constructed it in a certain way so that I've got experience in certain areas with certain clients so that I become this like machine of PR and marketing and like that that I wasn't taking into account what I actually (laughs) wanted to do that's bonkers um so I think what it's showed me is that actually we must really listen to our sole purpose and what makes us feel content and happy and also the things that make us feel icky because those are the ones that we shouldn't go anywhere near. There's a difference though. There's a fine line between yeah. feeling a bit like, Ugh, I don't like that. And also like, ah, I don't like it because it's made me uncomfortable. It's probably a good thing. Because the the like yeah. big decisions I've made in business have made me feel terrified, but it's a good scary. It's like, absolutely let's jump off this cliff and see what happens um yeah yeah and and I think you know what you've described there as well that bit about you know it's it's okay to feel scared yeah it's kind of understanding what am I scared of and and actually not just pressing on you know you described that kind of rock bottom and you know I think that pressing on day after day knowing that you just are heading in the wrong direction and it does come kind of full circle doesn't it to that who am I? And actually what makes me fly? And I, and and actually making choices that are about that um, is so, so important. I, yeah. Um, That's what I try and encourage at work. And I know I keep banging on about the community, but you've got those people there that are, are they get it, right? And you've got the community kind of rallying around you when you have those days where you think you might yeah. be slipping down the slope to go, yeah, I feel like that today. And all of a sudden it feels lighter because there's like, you just you just feel like you can release a lot more tension mm. and you can be who you really want to be because you're in a safe space. Yeah. 
So it's not a question of, you know, when people say, you know, hi, how are you today? And we all go, yeah, I'm fine. You think I'm anything but fine. But the answer is fine. So let's move on. Stop doing that. I've stopped. My VA the other day was like, how are you? And I knew she was having a tough time and I was having an awful, awful day. And I was like, I actually said to her, I almost said to you then that I was all right, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not. And I know you're not either. And she was like, oh, thank God, don't know about it. And that's okay. I think it's really important because I'm not going to change the world without actually changing the way we do things. I've realised that a lot of the things that I've done have made people feel uncomfortable, but actually once they have taken it on board and thought about it, they're like, oh my God, that's actually made me feel like I'm free to put on my out of office I'm not dealing with emails today because I'm looking after my mental health. Done. Yeah. yeah. There's no explanation. Do you know what? I, I remembered um, I did a stint um, at O2 and I it was the first time. So it'll kind of timeline it somehow in my head. But um, I remember somebody for the first time I'd seen it in my kind of life in big corporations where a man put on his out of office um, I'm not around for the next few days. I'm spending time with my family. And I. why was I shocked by that? But I was really shocked in a good way. But I was like, wow, it's okay to write that. And, you know, he, you know, will have no idea what that meant to me. But actually it was like, good for you, mate, because actually, and he was quite senior. So it made it okay. And it was like, it's okay to have a personal reason to be off. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like, I think uh, toxic. Which sounds mad. Why am I even saying that? It sounds like the maddest, maddest thing. It's okay. Really, Jane, it's okay to have time off for personal reasons. But for years, it doesn't feel like that, does it? You kind of think, well, is that okay? It's weird because I, I think a, like work culture makes you think that, so it's, there's a lot of contradictions in it. It makes you think you can't mix your personal life with work, yet it takes away a lot of time from your personal life. So there has to be a bit of give and take. They do merge into one, especially when you are self-employed. I do have pretty good boundaries now. I don't look at my emails at weekends. I tell my clients I'm taking time off. I don't ask for it because I don't work for them full time. That's just, yeah. um, Also look at me justifying it there. Um, it's those tiny things, isn't it? That I think you have to catch yourself. And I think it is that, it's, it's a technique, isn't it, used in like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy quite a lot. And I often will steal it and use it with my clients. And I'm like, the first thing I want you to do is to think about, is to notice your thought patterns, um, which is exactly what you caught yourself then, isn't it? Notice your thought patterns, notice how that makes you feel, and then think about how you'd normally react and behave. Because actually it's that back to that, isn't it? What's the action? What's the choice? Because... There's always that moment when you can catch yourself and do it, whereas quite often we mindlessly go through just doing what we think we have to do. Well, it's a lifetime of learnt behaviour. And when I've I've had um, one-to-ones and regular sessions with wild members and they're like, oh, I haven't, oh, no, I can't. I haven't managed to change yet and I've been trying for a week. I haven't done that. I haven't charged more yet. And they're like expecting me to be like, what? Why haven't you done it? And I'm like, all right, it's not linear. Some days you'll maybe feel like you're really in your power and you'll, you know, demand a pay rise. Or some days you might want to go and crawl into a hole and let people trample all over you. But what we're aiming for is more days of you feeling like you're in your paranoia but you can't sustain that that's why you have to have those days um off and I've and I will hold my hands up I've been rubbish at taking time off I'm pretty good at like you know when I my brain won't work anymore I'd maybe stop working in the afternoon but gen but but the like blocks of time off i'm only just realizing how important that is like this year and i've been doing this for a long time um and i'm i'm quite happy to tell this you know say to members that i'm having sessions with what are you doing for you and what are you doing to rest and what are you doing to take time out to be creative and then i'm like all right have a word jess do you like practice what you preach so it, it helps in so many ways wild because it helps me stay accountable and that's kind of why we, I created it as well we we all yeah. keep each other accountable because you don't have 
that manager that's coming along and going, look, you've got six weeks of annual leave to take and you've only taken one, get it booked in. All right. And you don't have that. So we're yeah. all each other's boss. It's been a big thing, I think, through COVID as well with people, self-employed people and people working for corporations because the boundary between work and home yeah, which it, it's so good to have that flexibility and have that sort of ability to work when it works for you. But then, as you mentioned, like having those boundaries, being really disciplined about saying, actually, I'm going to put all that stuff in a box if you're not lucky enough to have an office you can shut the door to and taking those enforced. Yeah. I've also been thinking the last couple of days about people that are coming off a of furlough right? Yeah. And how I expect or or people that have been homeschooling for the past year and feel like they've got to make up the time that they might have lost. That's not actually possible. No. And you hear it there with schools as well, don't you? The kids, we have to we have to make up the time they've lost. That's brilliant. You're, yeah, you can't, you can't. It's not there to take back. I think there's going to be a huge amount of pressure that people are either putting on themselves or companies yeah. to catch up. We can't catch up. It's been a year of uncertainty, trauma, and it is a collective, like a global trauma that we've all yeah. encountered. And we can only start from where we are today. Yeah. We have to start where we are today and then... You move forward from that point, wherever that is. Yeah, it's easier said than done. And I understand that. But I was thinking about people coming off a furlough and I was like, oh, they must be like, oh, I don't know how to do this. And I now need to work 24 hours a day to make up for it because they've been paying my wage and I've not been doing anything for the past six. But that was that was in its context at the time was absolutely appropriate and and i hope absolutely what will happen is that companies will recognize that and and let that be in the past and move on i really i'm i don't expect that to happen for a lot of places but it's just like i just wanted to like you know touch on that because i think a lot of people will be like oh god i'm under a huge amount of pressure now there's nothing you can do to catch up. And that is something I think that starts with, in big corporations, it starts with really senior people. Because it's quite interesting when you you kind of go up through those organisations, isn't it? And you the, the pressure somewhere, someone has probably quite innocently, and I think it's one of the things that I've kind of seen so many times where you'll get a chief exec or MD who've, who who th- a throwaway comment about, you know, we need to really make up for the last year and actually probably don't mean the way that that's then interpreted and interpreted and interpreted. And then you get the person who's come back from furlough and it's like, my God, you know, I've paid you for the last year and you need to make this up. And so those, what is said and what is, you know, that really kind of listening to that is so, so important. But I think you're right, Jess, it's a, it's a conversation that needs to, that needs to happen. And good leaders. We need good leaders. Unfortunately, we don't have huge, some of the best people that I've worked with are the ones that have been vulnerable, but will um, give clear direction and practice what they preach. And I always try to remember that, that. I do the things that I need, you know, that I tell people to do all the time. I have to follow through on that because otherwise it's an empty kind of promise. Is there any one person, I always ask people this question that come on the podcast, is there anybody who particularly who inspires you? I, I can't say one person, but, and I will say the wild community because every day, right, what happens is, we work together online every day and I know a lot about a lot of the members, not not all the members don't know inside out of people's lives, but I know that some women have worked so hard at that vulnerability, but also really believing in themselves. And that to me is more inspiring than anyone out there that's deemed a celebrity or, you know, kicking ass at business. I cannot tell you how inspired I feel every single day when they turn up after having a rubbish school run, they're going through divorces, they're trying to work their way through business and dealing with clients and dealing with houses and like, 
dealing with new diagnosis of of health conditions. There's everything going on, yet they turn up and they they support everyone else. They come yeah. and say, "I'm having an awful time." That that blows my mind because yeah. I just think that like ha- they don't know how special they are and they don't know how worthy they are of taking up the space that they so deserve. Yeah. And that is yeah. that's that's what keeps me going with wild they keep me going and we yeah. all keep each other going because you know without them the world would be so boring yeah. <laughs> I just want yeah. to show them yeah. how special they are yeah. and uh that's they just pff, I can't tell you how inspiring they are to me it's it is it's it's really special yeah. yeah and I got one last question because sadly I could talk to you for the rest of the day but it's all going to but I wanted to ask you one last question, and that is, if you, if you, if I was to kind of, you know, um, or if a young woman was to come to you today, so a young woman in her early 20s, starting out with the world, you know, the, the whole kind of her career and life in front of you, of her, what would be your advice? I think I'd say, be gentle with yourself. Mm. Don't take any don't be afraid of being vulnerable slash soft because I think there is a real weird expectation of a woman in business that she needs to be this hard-nosed that's absolutely not the case be completely yourself and have the confidence that the world will you'll find your people I think yeah there was a point where I, I wish I could go back and say to not necessarily myself, because I don't regret, you know, my journey. It's made me who I am. But I've worked with interns and they've like, I think it's very different to when I started. But it's like a they've got to turn up and be this like perceived businesswoman that they see on Instagram with lots of influences merging into themselves. And that's like the new, the new um, business. But actually what makes them successful is living their authentic life whatever they want to be is their success that's I mean it's not one thing I'd say I'd have a long conversation with a young (laughs) yeah 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 I think and and that whole bit about you know let's be let's be really careful how we define success I, I I have worked on that a lot because I've I've always thought like well my version of success is doing what I want. I'm a rebel at heart and mm-hmm. I will push back on anybody trying to make me do something that <laughs> they deem appropriate, even if that is appropriate. Yeah. I will be like, nope, I'm doing it my own way. And I've always been like that. I always will do. But I think that means that I can help to empower other people to do what they really want to do because you're doing something anyway you may as well do do what you want to do what's the difference between putting all your time and effort into something you don't really fancy into putting all your time and effort into something that you really want to do it's the fear that stops us but um Yeah. yeah the you've got to go after your own version of success thank you again jess for joining me today As you've just heard, Jess is one of those people who when she sees a gap or a need, instead of just talking about it or moaning about it, she actually does something about it. She often makes this look really easy, but she's been really honest in this conversation about the toll that following this path has taken on her in the past and how she's had to adjust her own approach at work and life to create a much more sustainable balance. A couple of things really stood out for me in my conversation with Jess today. Um, Jess talked about her reasons for setting up Wild Co-working, um, those reasons being about empowering women to build their confidence and ultimately their own resilience. So carving a path where there was a seat for everyone and a seat at the table that they chose. She also talked about the importance of self-reflection, of really understanding yourself so that you can make choices 
to create a much more resilient life. So a life where you are accountable for your choices, where there's much more understanding and emotional openness and an understanding about what those emotions mean. So we can be vulnerable and therefore be able to create real human connection. I found it really interesting to talk to Jess about what resilience actually means to her and coming back again to the importance of understanding ourselves first and how important it is to live your own life. So living our lives as ourselves and the resilience that comes from that lets us create our own versions of success and ultimately really lets us fly. This is about letting the bad days happen too. So instead of just pushing on, being able to choose to do something creative or to rest so that you're actually building sustainable resilience into your life. And listening to our own emotions and letting ourselves experience those, so things like fear, lets you know whether what you're feeling is good scary, so the stuff that's kind of uh, allows us to think okay it's time to press on or whether it's bad scary so it's that kind of gut feel that this really is something we should avoid but only by really listening and acknowledging those emotions can we start to make those choices I really hope that you've enjoyed listening to my conversation with Jess and I'd love to know what resonated for you what changes have you made in your own life to build your own resilience has vulnerability played a part in this change and what's made the most difference to you I really would love to hear your thoughts and reflections thank you again for listening and if you'd like to hear more conversations like this about behaviors life and leadership then please subscribe